Welcome to the Kids on the Move podcast, inspiring young students, parents and teachers to live an active, healthy lifestyle. Here's your host of the show, Nathan Reed. Hi everyone and welcome to our very first Kids on the Move podcast. Today we're fortunate enough to be joined by the extremely talented and all-round legend Elise Burnett. Elise is currently on the Australian kayaking team. She also competed for Australia at the 2016 Olympic Games in Rio where she made the final. Since Rio, she then went on to becoming world champion in 2017. When she's not competing, Elise holds a Bachelor in Communications and is also currently studying a Masters of Business Management. On top of this, she also runs her own digital marketing business. Elise is only 26 and has already achieved more than what many do in an entire lifetime and isn't planning on slowing down anytime soon. I had the pleasure of seeing her present at a workshop in Canberra earlier this week and I was definitely inspired by her story. I hope you are today as well. All right, welcome Elise. Thanks for joining us today for our, our first podcast. No worries at all. It's very good to be here. Very excited. How are you going today? Yeah, very well, thank you. I've had a big morning of training and I've got the afternoon off now, so pretty stoked to just be chilling. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, All right, so we're going to start with uh, just a bit about where uh, you came from, um, what life was like growing up for you. If you could let us know uh, whether that's schooling or family life, um, just a bit of background about you. Yeah, so I grew up on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, I grew up in a family who loved sport. and I grew up around the beach and around a lot of water sports, I, I suppose. Um, I, I started in surf lifesaving. I guess that was my first sport. My mum and my dad wanted me to have the surf skills, um, you know, given we lived really close to the beach. So, yep. you know, I was down there as a nipper. Um, I was never the best athlete, though. I was always the one kind of making up the numbers in teams. I loved sport. I loved being outdoors. But I was never the one winning races or you know, being age champion or those types of things. I was just yeah. the one that would put my hand up. So I tried a lot of different sports uh, in addition to surf lifesaving. Uh, I swam a bit. I did a bit of running, team sports like water polo, some soccer, some netball, things like that. And I guess, you know, yeah, it was just a bit of an all-rounder. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I guess, yeah, just growing up, it was it was a nice cruisy lifestyle being on the Sunshine Coast and, um, you know, having having a really good family kind of support around me who who lived and breathed the outdoors and, and yeah, being active. Yeah, definitely. It always it does help when you have that uh, the family or the friendship circle to support you through and back whatever whatever you want to do. And I guess you did try lots of different sports before um, you found what you really wanted to do. Um, yeah. But just going back to to earlier, what in, first inspired you to become an Olympian? Um. So my first kind of taste of the Olympics that I can remember anyway was uh, the Sydney 2000 Olympics. I was eight years old and I headed down for the day uh, with my mom and my best friend and her mum to watch the basketball and the European handball, which are two kind of sports that I hadn't really ever seen before, uh, especially the European handball, I suppose. And and we went down and we watched a few random countries that didn't watch any Aussies. And uh, then we headed back. So it was literally like a, a 14 hour trip round trip I guess but yeah. um, you know being able to to go to a multi-sport event and as a kid and you know be around the mascot be around the height um, 
see everything going on, see how much the athletes, I guess, poured their heart into it. It, it really made me realise that I wanted to be an Olympian. Uh, yeah. I just had no idea what sport in. Yeah. So I guess that's really what kick-started my, my dream. And um, so that was eight, and I didn't actually start kayaking until I was 15, 16. So uh, there was a long time there where yeah. I was just kind of floundering and then testing different different sports and different things. But, yeah, I think I, I often reflect back on that um, on that day that we went down to Sydney and we've got heaps of photos and I've still got a few of the mascot toys actually in, in my office. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it's really fun to, to think back that that's kind of, yeah, what started the fire in the belly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think from that workshop we were at the other day, um, a lot of people do remember the 2000 Olympic Games so vividly, um, obviously because it was in Australia, but um, I'm guessing that there are a lot more other Olympians that were inspired that same time as you were. Um, I know I just looked up your um, website last night and realised you're the same age as me. I'm actually a bit older than you, uh, <laughs> which makes me feel a bit older than what I thought I was. But, um, yeah, definitely that, that time was really inspiring and I can see yeah. how you got that urge through that. Um, yeah, definitely. So you, you said that you were 15, 16, maybe when you started kayaking. How did yeah. you first become involved in that? So basically, uh, it was through surf lifesaving. So kind of when I was 14, I guess, I'd almost given up on the idea of finding an Olympic sport. You know, I tried so many different sports and I, and I just wasn't tr quite cracking it or it wasn't quite clicking. So I, I decided I'd focus on uh, surf ironwoman racing, which yeah. is a, a swim leg, a board leg and a ski paddling leg. So when I was 15, that's when you're allowed to start ski paddling legally uh, with insurances and stuff. And I, I guess the natural progression is to um, hop in a kayak. Uh, so ski paddling's in surf, kayak yep. in flat water, so you can work on your technique and really hone those skills before you get out into the, the wild, I guess. So I went along, um, there was a, a squad down the road that I went along to, to try out for and, you know, I made, I made the cut to make that um, training squad and I guess the rest is history. I, I um, the first probably six months though, I, I really was not very good at kayaking. I uh, fell in a lot. Um, my mum used to say, you know, she'd pick me up from training and I'd be saturated and, and I looked more like a swimmer than a kayaker, which was pretty funny. Um, but I guess, yeah, once it kind of clicked with me, it was, it was like riding a bike and, you know, all of a sudden you're going from falling out three times a session um, to being able to stay in the boat and then you get faster and faster and faster. And, and I guess yeah. I was just hooked after that. Yeah, fairly quick progression for you. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, coming from like an athletic background and being able to, or I guess trying so many different sports, once it did click with me, um, it, it's really easy to, to kind of transfer those skills over. Uh, yeah. you know, I was fit. Um, I knew how to work in a team. I had you know, good core stability, things like that. So, yeah, so once it does click with you, and I, and I think a lot of kids would find that as well, uh, you know, if you've tried lots of different sports, you know, once yeah. a particular technique clicks, you you kind of, yeah, you just, yeah. it's not easy, but, it, yeah, it, it makes the whole process a lot easier. So. Yeah, I think um, being a PE teacher, I've noticed that a lot of kids aren't doing those different types of sports where maybe in the past kids were doing, um, and they are that, that transfer in a different skills isn't happening um, probably the way it should be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously in your case, having that all that experience with the different types of sports and activities, you're able to then easily transfer that to your to your kayaking. Yeah, definitely. And I think we find, we find that even now, 
uh, with the juniors coming through the ranks at the moment. You know, a lot of the kids that have had a taste of lots of different sports um, can transfer into kayaking quite easily and, and, and can also transfer across sports. There's yeah. actually a, a, um, a group or a program, I guess, at the moment uh, for talent ID transfer. And it's for people, I guess, around our age who, um, you know, are looking to transfer sports. And it's often someone will go back to the sport they started in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's quite interesting how that works. I really yeah. quite enjoy looking at it and how people are transferring so well. Yeah, awesome. Um, so, skip forward to the uh, Olympics or the lead up to the Olympics of 2016. What was that journey like? Um, where, did, you know, where did it begin to, to get to where you finally got to? Yeah, so it's a long journey uh, and, you know, you can't really make an Olympics after a couple of years of being in a sport or most people won't. Um, yeah. You know, you have to go through a lot of highs and lows. So uh, I kind of made my first kayak team pretty much straight away um, as I could or after I could stay in the boat, uh, which was pretty cool. And I, and I guess, like I said, it's because I was fit and able to, you know, to work well in the boat. Um, but that was in 2009 and I didn't qualify for the Olympics till 2016. So yeah, yeah. I, I went through the process of, of being on teams every year and, and kind of doing well in Australia and getting overseas and um, not making it out of peaks. And, and it was kind of a, a process for me um, where I wasn't quite understanding the, the level I needed to lift to when I got overseas. You know, I was yeah. kind of just going through the motions. I'd go well in Australia and, and, and it's a case of big fish, small pond in Australia. And then you yeah. get overseas and all of a sudden you're racing these girls who, who are just amazing at kayaking and they've been doing it since they were, you know, three, four years old. So, yeah. you know, they've got a bit of a leg up on you. So yeah. yeah, it was kind of a long journey for me in that sense. Um, and then it kind of all started clicking when I jumped in a uh, K2, which is a double uh, boat with my now K2 partner, Alyssa Bull. And she, her and I worked really well together and, and we trained the same, we have the same approach. And, and we kind of, it was kind of the moment that I just started to have fun uh, yeah. with my training and with my racing and, and just enjoying rocking up every day rather than just ticking the box. You know, I, yeah. was, I was ticking the box, but I was, I was, doing it well and I was and I was getting the most out of myself and and we're both getting the most out of each other so that was in 2014 and so I guess it was quite a quick progression between teaming up with her and then and then debuting at the Olympics um we we raced our first international season together in 2015 yeah uh came back or had three spots up to grab the Olympic team and and I guess we weren't favored to make that team we um, hadn't won a race in Australia before, let alone, you know, done well at an international stage. So to be able to win two races in a row, which is what you had to do to be selected, uh, was a pretty big achievement for us. And, mm. and I often say to people, I don't think it's because, you know, we did or we trained better or we trained harder or we were better athletes. Um, I think when you get to our level, you know, you're all doing the same training. Um, you're all kind of, yeah, hopping, being in the gym three, four times a week. You're on the water eight times a week. You're, you know, you're doing around the same things. We're all building yeah. the same, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, the difference for us was that we just took the pressure off ourselves and, and we really enjoyed the process. And yeah. and we kind of said, as long as we got to the finish line and we weren't, you know, we weren't disappointed no matter what the result, then we'd yeah. be happy. You know, we, we didn't leave any stone unturned, basically. So it worked out yeah. in our favor. 
Awesome. So then you went to Rio and no one gave you a chance to even make past the heats. What happened? Um, I guess it was kind of a rerun of our domestic season. We, again, you know, we were the, the underdogs, the young girls um, going. A lot of people were saying that uh, it was going to be our first or basically a trial run for the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo and uh, being so young and, and so, I guess, inexperienced at that level. Uh, but we went over there and, and, again, took the pressure off ourselves. Uh, we set our goal as at first making the final um, and second we wanted to get top six in that final and uh, so it was a, I guess two tiers uh, and yeah we got over there and we really enjoyed being you know around the Olympic environment as you can imagine but we just yeah. made sure we stayed within ourselves and within it within our little team yeah. uh, which is what we do at every regatta whether it be you know just down the road or or over the other side of the world so uh, yeah. we got to race day and we had our heat in our semi on on the same day i think they were about an hour an hour and a half apart which is quite a quick turnaround for us yeah definitely and we knew we knew that was going to work to our favor where um we're both we've both come from like a confidence type background so backing up is is really good for us and yeah. so we did our heat uh we were quite tactical in our heat we didn't um spend all our bickies basically we we got to our semi-final and we had a pretty tough semi on our hands and top three made it through to the uh we basically just had the race of our lives and you know a lot of people say they have the race of their lives in their final but for us the semi-final was our final you know if, yeah, we, if we yeah. didn't have a good race then there was no final for us so yeah we put it all out on the line and we ended up getting third so just making it through to the final and um we were like ecstatic with that we mm. uh you know we'd, we'd achieved one of our goals and um be able to do that in front of you know the big crowd which included some of your family and friends you know it was, yeah. it was real special can um, you can you describe at all how that feels to be in that situation and you know knowing that you've made an olympic final yeah it's it's a surreal feeling uh and it's one that you can't to be honest put into words i mean yeah. you, you cross we crossed the line and it was a really tight finish so we didn't know straight away whether we were in or not yeah. So it was like the longest 30 seconds of my life waiting for it to come up on the scoreboard. And, and when it came up, and there's a video of us, um, you know, when we were celebrating, Bully and I just both erupted. Uh, you know, we were waving our hands around, fist pumping, you know, screaming out. It was a, it was a pretty yeah. cool feeling. And I think if I'd done the same um, or had the same result in a single boat, yeah. uh, it would be a lot different. Being able to share that moment with your best friend is is, yeah. is very cool. Uh, yeah, and, very special. Yeah, yeah, very special moment. Yeah. So I don't know you don't like talking about the final a great deal, but can you just let us know yeah, what happened in that final? Yeah. So um, the final was the day after the semi. We so we went home after the semi, did a bit of recovery, and I remember sitting in our hotel room that afternoon, and and one of the biggest windstorms I've ever seen. We were staying um, on Ipanema Beach, and we could see the way uh, the wind, sorry, coming across the water, and it was um, yeah. it was quite scary actually. The hotel we were in was shaking. Um, yeah. We we thought our um, our door was going to get blown in. So pretty big storm. Uh, mm. We rocked up to the race course the next morning, and the course was littered with with leaves and rubbish and stuff, and. Given we were we were racing basically on a massive lake, uh, and so they just put aside for one corner a race course. So the the organisers were trying as hard as they could to clean the course. 
But of course, every time they took rubbish out, it would blow more back in. So um, being an outdoor sport, that's just one of those things that you have to deal with. So we we lined up in line. I think we were the second race of the day. Uh, We took a couple of strokes um, after the gate dropped, after they said go, and we caught a massive leaf, like about this big on our nose. And it's it's guttering. Like you're you're in an Olympic final, you know, you've dreamt about it for so long. Uh, You're feeling really good. We, We felt really good together. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, you've got this leaf on the front of your nose, and at that level, everything has to go right. So, yeah, definitely. So, so we ended up getting eighth, which was last in the final, and and it was it was really guttering, and and probably the biggest disappointment of my athletic career. You know, I've had lots yeah. of little, you know, injury niggles or things not quite go my way in the past, but getting to the end of the race and um, not knowing how you were meant to go. You know, not being able to put it all out there was the hardest thing. You know, mm. racing and seeing those girls go past you and, and you're, you're trying your hardest, but you just, you've got a brick wall in front of you, basically, is really tough. And yeah. But I think, you know, going through those emotions afterwards and um, being able to, you know, ride that with Bully and ride that with our team and, and get through it um, yeah. was, was a really beneficial thing. And although it didn't work out in Rio for us, I think we've come out, the other side a lot better for it um and so you know the olympic experience was still amazing except for that one little thing go wrong and so i still you know i'm very positive reflecting back on it yeah awesome that was actually one of my next questions i was going to ask what your most challenging you know challenging moment has been and like you said that that was it um how did you how did you just get over that was there you know self-talk or did you have to go through anything with your coaches you know um just to help your mindset you know, push on to the next, yeah, the next race, I guess. Yeah, look, uh, after it happened, um, we were obviously devastated straight after we crossed the line. Yeah. Uh, we actually complained to the officials. So, you know, we knew our race couldn't change, but we hoped that it wouldn't happen yeah. for the rest of the day. And unfortunately, you know, a few other people did uh, were put in the same position. But basically, we, we paddled around. We had a really long warm down and it was dead silence in the boat for quite a few minutes. Um, just gathering our thoughts of, of what had just happened. Uh, we paddled to the pontoon. Our coach and support staff were there, like our physio and stuff. And and we, we I think we just sat on the pontoon for like you know, five, ten minutes, just devastated. And and I think you have to go through their emotions and try to score. You know, you have to you have to go through the lows to. Um, you know, really feel the highs as well and appreciate yeah, the highs. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we had a bit of an emotional time there. We went and saw our family out in the grandstands and had another cry. And um, then kind of after the day was finished, after we'd watched all the finals for the afternoon, uh, we went back to our hotel and, and we, we sat down with our coach again and we just spoke about how, you know, grateful we were to be in that position for starters. Yeah. We'd achieved one of our main goals. We'd, we'd showed people, you know, what we can do and, and that we were on the scene now uh, mm. and that now, you know, our, our goals were set on Tokyo. Um, you know, it really made us appreciate uh, every little bit of what we'd done uh, leading into that moment. So, yeah, I think now um, I think I'm a, a lot more resilient. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I appreciate things a lot more and I can also just... Um, not take things too seriously, I guess you could say. Like, 
you know, if I rock up to a to a race maybe and, and now there is a bit of it might bring back some bad memories, but yeah, yeah. I can also just be okay with that. Yeah. Um, you know, it made me realise that we are in an outdoor sport and an uncontrollable environment and, and that's life. Yeah, you know? definitely. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, awesome. Um, so obviously you would have had heaps of great coaches and mentors, friends over your um, athletic journey. What Do you have one piece of advice that really sticks to mind that you've been told or given by any of those people? Um, well, you say that and my coach often says uh, this one thing and she hasn't said it to me in a while probably because she said it to me on repeat a lot of times <laughs> when I was younger, but um, yeah. she says it to the juniors now. You know, when you before a race, uh, when you're going out, um, you know, and you're really nervous, you, you're shaking, and and it's quite confronting in, to be in a race because, especially in a single race, because you're the only one that can, um, you know, make or write your destiny. You're the only one out there, so it's quite confronting. And, and yeah. she always says, you know, "What's the worst that can happen?" At the end of the day. Your mum will still love you, your dad will still love you, and you'll still have food on the table tonight. So I think that's, you know, it's, it's yeah. exactly what my coach is like. She's very realistic. She, yeah. Um... All right, we're back after Elisa's finally blew up, and <laughs> we are back recording. So um, I want you to tell us why you love the sport of kayaking, because in Shepparton, uh, we've got a relatively small lake there's a little rowing club there um it's not probably a sport that's that's big around here but what do you love about it and why should someone get involved with it um i guess two two reasons uh one when you're in a kayak you kind of can just be free you know when you're on a running track you, you kind of confined to that track or a swimming pool you can find to the pool and people can always be watching you and stuff but uh, when you kayak or you ski paddle or, or whatever, you can just go out and just, you know, be amongst uh, the water by yourself. And, and it's just, yeah. I don't know, it just is very relaxing when you're doing a relaxed session uh -huh, yeah. or just going for a float. It's, yeah, I, I really love it for that reason. Uh, yeah. I guess the other thing is, and the reason why I keep kayaking, um, you know, at a high level is because I love going fast and it's a real cool feeling to be able to hit the top speeds in, in your boat. Uh, yeah. For instance, our K4 gets up to, I think, 23, 24 k's an hour. Yeah. It's pretty cool when Fine. it's powered by your arms. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a cool sport and, and a sport, I guess, as well, that, yeah, not a lot of people do it, but, um, you know, it's available to everyone. It's, it's, you know, you can do it on your local lake. You can go out in the ocean. Uh, you can do yeah. it in our tiny little sprint kayaks or the big sea kayaks. Um, there's so many different ways to do it. Yeah, awesome. What's a typical day uh, in your life that, in, like, when you're training, is like, is there like any rituals that you do every day um, that like non-negotiables? Uh, non-negotiables are definitely your warm-ups. Uh, yeah. We do, you know, every training day I'm paddling basically. Uh, so I, I paddle morning and night almost every day except for Sunday day of rest. Yeah. Uh, and we're in gym three, four times a week and we do a bit of running as well. So, uh, but for each of those sessions, we're doing a warm up to make sure, you know, we're not injuring ourselves. So we're, you know, doing a lot of prehab and rehab type exercises. Uh, yeah. I'm on the bike to walk, get the blood flowing and stuff. I do a few breathing exercises. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, it's just preventative stuff. Yeah, cool. Um, what are you currently doing outside of your training and competing? Um, obviously, you're, um, you presented the other day at Canberra at the RIS. Um, yeah, what, what else are you up to in your life? Um, so I, I have a lot going on, to be honest with you. I, um, I like to keep myself busy outside of sport. Everyone should. All athletes should. It's, um, you know, it's great to be able to get your mind off sport and off the... A little digital marketing, um, and basically, I just do a lot of online work with small small businesses, helping from uh, talks to help. You know, similar to, to how I'm talking now, just normalising yeah. elite sport and, and talking about the values and beliefs and stuff that can transfer over. And uh, I also do a bit of education with our uh, anti-doping authority, um, so going to sporting clubs and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I like to keep myself busy, and, and I, I don't plan on stopping all those anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> how do you, in like being so busy, how do you find time for yourself or and your family or your fiance? Um, yeah, how do you prioritise those things on top of all the things you're doing as well? Um, I guess, and I, I guess everyone talks about it, is time management. And I make yeah. sure when I'm doing something, you know, I get it done and then once I leave it or, you know, once I leave training or once I finish work, that's it. I don't reflect, I don't harp on it, I guess. Um, but for me, Sundays is a big day to just do nothing or, or yeah. to spend time with family or to do the trial talk at all on Sundays. I try to not do any work on Sunday. It's my time yeah. to be me and, and be with my family. Um, so, yeah, I, but I, I think you can all as well in being able to, to achieve. When I'm home, Jordan and I, who's my fiance, he's all. So it's really easy, I guess, to um, talk about, time, you know, we're both in this environment and we can, we can share notes, I guess. On, on yeah, yeah. But we try to not, not talk about it at all. Yeah. You know, obviously we might talk about our friends from cooking, but we try to not talk about performance-based things at all. Uh, we try to just yeah, be ourselves and, uh, you know, have fun outside of that. So, yeah, yeah, cool. You were skipping on my screen through all of that, so I don't know if that worked, but we'll see when oh, we no. finish. Oh, no, my phone's not hot yet. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll finish up. I just want one piece of advice that you give to um, students or parents, um, parents of students who are, you know, a bit like you, how you were not sure what you wanted to do. Um, you weren't the best at anything, but you were good at lots of things. What's your one piece of advice for, you know, students that you talk to and for students that, that are dealing with kids on the move? Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest piece of advice is just follow your gut. Um, you know, think with your gut. Don't don't think about anything else, really. Uh, if you love something, follow. Don't overthink it. Um, yeah, just just do whatever makes the biggest thing for me. If I, the moment I don't stop enjoying fire and, and same with work. The moment I stop enjoying work is the moment I'll work around the job. So, uh, yeah, just... And I guess parents as well, make sure your kids are enjoying, you know, what you're sending them to or what you're dropping them off to every day. There's no yeah. point. And I've seen it so many times. I've seen so many parents drop off kids and they, they're really not enjoying the sport or not enjoying, you know, whatever activity it is. And, and the kid won't get, uh, won't get the most out of that. Yeah. 
they'll hate it and you know it'll just be kind of a bit of a spiral so yeah as long as everyone's enjoying it um you know you'll be able to achieve your goals make the olympics or or make your local team uh or just you know kick a goal in the field whatever it is uh, as long yeah. as you got a Hopefully, uh, I can't hear a word you're saying. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I can no, hear now. My phone's, my phone's not hot now, though. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's Wi Fi. Yeah. Last one. We'll be seeing you at the 2020 oh, Olympic Games. Yes, hopefully. Uh, we've got qualifications to qualify. Uh, be able to qualify a few spots, and then hopefully I'll be able to qualify my own name onto that team next year. So it's a big eighteen month. Kind of, you know, head down, bum up time. Uh, yeah. Try to get uh, medals as we can on that team. Yeah, awesome. All right, thanks so much, Liz, for coming on today and for uh, giving us your time. We really appreciate it. And we no will sure be following you on the road to Tokyo in Shepparton. Thank you. No, no worries. No worries. See, ya. See ya. Bye.